Hi, I'm Betsy Borns, and you're listening to The Broadcast, featuring the artists who perform at The Broad Stage here in Santa Monica, California. Today, I'm speaking with the Emmy Award-winning, multiple Tony-nominated actress Penny Fuller. Penny has starred on Broadway in plays and musicals from Wendy Wasserstein's An American Daughter to Comden and Green's Applause. In our discussion, Penny starts with theater and ends with her singing as both Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. The song is from her brilliant one-woman show, 13 Things About Ed Carpolati. Trust me, this is one you won't want to miss. I mentioned your name to a film critic friend of mine, and before I could say another word, he said, I saw her in the original Broadway production of Cabaret in 1966, and she was brilliant. So I wanted to ask you, what are your memories of that production? Well... I auditioned for it, and for two days I was the first choice, and then Nancy Rousseau auditioned for it for two days. She was the first choice, and I think Anita Gillette, maybe. I mean, everybody auditioned for it. the bigs. And then it went to Jill Haworth, the young girl who had done Exodus. So we all kind of turned tail and went home. And um, she got a really mean review from... Oh, Walter Kerr, who never gave mean reviews until this one time. And when I read it, I felt terrible for her. And I went to see it, and I saw what they... Uh, I know that... I don't know if this is true, but they, they said that Halperin said, look, I'm so sick of one of one of all these gals. Just get me somebody. They said, Jill Haworth. He said, can she sing? And they said, well enough. He said, then hire her. Um, anyway, she... She was not experienced, and she missed a lot of performances, and she broke her leg or something. So they wanted to get a standby. <laughs> Those were her best qualities. Yes, yeah. But um, she wasn't that bad. And well, anyway, it was it it was an unfortunate thing. So <clears throat> they decided that they would get a standby, which is somebody who does not is not in the show, but can, in those days, you could say, I'm at the theater, I'm in seat C22 if you need me, and they'd come get you if they needed you. Now you have to be at the theater, but in those days, you didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I started rehearsal, and the fourth day of rehearsal, I went to the Russian Tea Room to celebrate oh. that I had this after the rehearsal. That's the only and place I had to celebrate. four... Moscow Mules. Okay, that's the only thing to drink. I made home, made it home miraculously at, to wake up the next morning to find out that I was on at the matinee and I'd had four rehearsals. Uh, I remember saying to the conductor, do I wait for you to point to me? I mean, that's how, I don't know how I did it. I don't wow. know how I did it. And I remember being in this piece of the set that was the little bar where I began, and there was Joel Gray in the corner with that grotesque makeup on, and the thing was jiggling, and I thought, is this real? And I went on, and I did it, and I went on over a 100 times because Jill was not able to – she she what? didn't have it built in her system right. to show up every night. Which is so, a large part of being a Broadway actress. Yes, exactly. So – uh, and then they offered me the part um, after she was going to leave. And I, because I'm an idiot, said, oh, no, I've done it now. I've done it a hundred times. I have to go on, move on, and do something else. Mm. But I still am glad I did that. But then they, then Anita Gillette took over, and she played it for two years. Well, so he was been... very sure that it was you 
he saw. Literally, that was the first thing from his mouth. Well, it would have been uh, because it, it sounds terrible. It's a very for critical me to say, person. But by what the way. they said was that everybody, when I was on, everybody said, oh, and they'd all try to get seats right. to see it or right. stand in the back. You know, I, I mean, I don't know why, and I mean, I, I don't I mean do. that like it sounds, but she was, uh, she just wasn't trained to be a theater right. actress, and, and, it, and it does. It's such, it's such training. Yeah, it is, and it's stamina. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you were saying she was great, but she essentially didn't have the stamina, that seems to me it's the most important thing in most jobs. But in what you do, ninety-nine percent is talent, but the extra one percent is. Can you be there? Can you show up? And can you be great yeah. every time? Yeah. My favorite story, and this, again, it sounds rather, I don't know, egotistical, but William Finn, the wonderful composer who did mm. um, Falsettos right. and uh, A New that. Brain, which is the play that I did uh, 30 or 40 or 50 or, well, the 60s something. Yeah, about about 30 years later. He had seen me, and he remembered me. 30 years, and he wanted me to play his mother in a new brain. And he remembered all the... Wow. I still... Okay. So it was clearly very I memorable. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. I was just trying to get through it. <laughs> and Lottie Lenya was so kind and lovely because I'd come in like, you know, a deer in the headlights uh, because I had four rehearsals the first time. She's so distinctive. I've always loved oh, her she voice. Was great. She was great. Okay, so actually, you've been an actress for 56 years. Really? I think that my calculations were right. You started I don't when know. you were 20. I don't want to discuss it. And age. now I told you're you 34. Okay, yes, I did get it wrong. Okay, yes. so I'm sorry. So, in your 14 years of acting, yes. how has theater changed since oh. you started? Well, let's see. Other how than much ticket time prices. Do you have? <laughs> um, I'm not sure how much of this is just the generation looking at the new generation and saying, what is that? Right. I was lucky enough to go to Northwestern University where there was a woman named Alvina Krauss. Well, woman force maybe is a better thing. Right. She was about five, barely five feet tall, if that. And she was horrifically difficult and horrifically tough and horrifically idealistic about the theater. And we Paula Benjamin, Paula Prentice and Dick Benjamin and oh. Tony Roberts and Larry Pressman and Stuart. Oh, my God. Stuart ooh, and Marshall Mason. All these people. We were in a golden Fantastic. era. Marsha Rod. Um, all these people. And she beat us into, <laughs> not literally, but beat us into some kind of caring about the theater and about what the theater was, it's storytelling, and the best way to describe it is, is that you lean forward in your seat rather than sit back and let it happen on you. Oh, that... And that would be what I would say has happened. It's so it's so visual now that it's all about, oh, look at that. Star Wars. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the storytelling that pulls you in is slowly... Oh, that's drifting so away. It's that's my theory. That's the way. But and that's why Hamilton. When I went, I thought, "Oh, thank you, God, I've got the ticket." Oh my God, am I going to be able to stand all this rap? And within seven minutes, it was the pinnacle of the theater right. that I've seen because it is it is in rap, right. which is not my music, but it is all those larger than life things about things that are meaningful right. and, and it pulls people and, forward. And, and pulls people forward. Has the audience changed? Do yeah. you think? Yeah, I don't know how people can afford to go. 
Right. That I don't understand. So the audience but has the changed audience has into changed people who too. can afford. And there's something I do in New York, which I keep saying, why are you doing this? Get up on a, like maybe once every two months on a Thursday, and I do a reading for this woman named Susan Charlotte, who has a thing, a program or something called Food for Thought. And it used to be luncheon and a play reading. Oh, wow. now That's it's just the idea. play reading, you know. And they are all little old ladies who are obviously the girls who were little girls that their grandmothers took them right. to the theater, and they love theater enough to just listen to a play, you know, once a month or whatever it is they do. I love readings. Yeah. Well, I don't. I fall asleep when I get uncomfortable. <laughs> but I mean, but I love doing it Good for place to sleep. for the ladies, right? Because they still believe. You know, they still come to get, to receive, right. not, and not just to sit back. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so interesting. Um, I uh, wanted to ask, you've received two Tony nominations for Applause and for Neil Simon's The Dinner Party. I was wondering what it was like working with the great Comden and Green, who are the uh, composers and writers for Singing in the Rain, among other brilliant things. And I just... I was always curious what it was like working with them. Well, here we go again. I auditioned for it, and I didn't get it. So I was out in Los Angeles. I did a television pilot, and I was at O'Ray's Beauty Salon on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood with my head in the sink when they brought me a— Isn't that how it always happens? And they said, "They they want to replace the girl who's doing applause. Oh, said I. They want you to fly to Baltimore. Oh, said I, because they were out of town. When? They said, tonight. Give me a dryer. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) So off I go, and I look at the show, because they want to see if I want to do it, and I I don't know if I really know this. I think Miss Krause would say I knew this because she told me. But I could see exactly what was needed. I mean, I don't know if I could... You know, but anyway, so the next day I went to meet Lauren Bacall and um, Betty and Adolph um, Green and Comden, and um, I remember thinking, "Oh God, let them know, let especially Betty Bacall, it let her know that if I'm good, it will only help her." And she and I got to be incredible friends, oh. and I took over. So I didn't have as much experience with Bacall, uh, with uh, Comden and Green, but I was young, so I said things like, I think you need to fatten the speech there when Ava's in the dressing room telling us. I couldn't do it today, but I did it then when I was young, and they did what I said, and they and it made it better. It's sometimes better. People always say, "What if I knew then what I know now? And I yeah. always think, when you're young, it's better you should say, if I knew now what I knew then, yes. which is, don't know too much. Yes. So you can say what you really need to yes. say. Yes. So that's what happened. And they and Betty Comden was a big champion of mine because oh. she wanted me to, they wanted me to go on the road. And I had played this dark, difficult woman for oh. a year. And I thought, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, of course, I that's my cabaret thing, too. I want to go on to other things. Right. But I also, it was hard to do. And so no, I said, no, I don't want to go on the road. And they hired somebody. They, they made the same mistake. It was, what they didn't understand was that the people, excuse me, both of you ladies, if you're listening, but if they're too young and too silly uh, girls, then they're they're not a threat to a major persona like Lauren Bacall. 
Ah. And so what I did was I I decided that I was going to make everybody think that they didn't remember the movie right and that I really was the good one and she was the bad one. And that's the way I played it, but I was not 20 or 21. They they were these kind of girls with the hair behind right. their ears and I was somebody who was approaching 30 and death, right. you know, and this was my last <laughs> shot if I couldn't make this work. And I think that, I, I don't know why I knew that, Miss Grouse, I'm sure, but um, that's what helped. And when they went on the road without me, they did not get good reviews. Right. And Betty Comden said, get Penny in here because the play is not getting good, the show, play the script, right. the book is not getting good reviews. Now, this sounds like I'm just kissing myself on the shoulder. No, but, but I'm without not, I'm just, the actress... It's the just something play I innately is not knew. the greatest play. Yeah, yeah. So, and the night that I took over in San Francisco, Betty, <laughs> she's supposed to come up. I come up, I win the Tony Award in the play. And Betty, and I say, and it's all because of E, uh, Margot Channing. And I turn to look at her, and she's supposed to be looking at me with a quizzical look. And she was so happy that I was there that she was smiling on my first performance when I got joined the league. She was smiling rather than going, Eve, Eve. <laughs> she was thrilled that I was there. <laughs> anyway, those are good stories. Oh, it amazing. sounds terribly egotistical, no, but I it don't does. mean it Well, it's only, it, it only sounds egotistical if you're saying it and it didn't happen. Yeah. You're yeah. just relating history. Yeah, well, that was a that was a moment I shall never forget. And <laughs> was, was, was Lauren Bacall Betty? I've always wondered why her nickname was Betty. Because that's her real name. Oh, and they gave her Lauren. Mm. Oh, I always thought it was a strange nickname. Like, I always think it's Jack for John. Well, yeah, no. Jack is just as long as John. Why pick that? But, oh, it was really Lauren. Oh, okay. But here's here's the best story about her. And I, oh, we were such, we really had a great time together. But she, when she was 18 and became the high, Howard Hawks, I think it was, hired her and she was playing with Humphrey right. Bogart. And she'd been a model. Yeah. And she was so terrified that her head would shake. So he said, put your chin down. That'll make your head. So that look. That became the look. Became because she had to put her chin in because she, her head yeah. was shaking. She was so scared. Oh, I tried. When shake. I was young, I used to see look at pictures of her and try the look. On a young Jewish girl from Indiana, it just didn't quite play. <laughs> but uh, I, looked, I looked more like a rabbi, yeah. a desperate rabbi, I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, How many young Jewish girls are there in Indiana? Uh, me and a couple of others yeah, that's who what I uh, were in my circle. Yes, yeah, right. You were the replacement on Broadway in the Neil Simon original production of Barefoot in the Park. I was wondering what it was like to work with Neil Simon. Well, I have to tell this other story first, which was, again, I was hired to be the standby. And I went on. I'd been over the third act twice when I had to go on. Again, I don't. I I, 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 I I don't know how I, I did any of it, but I promise I'm not exaggerating. Elizabeth, no, I just saw you perform this week, and mm-hmm. I can tell how you did it. Oh. Well, I <laughs> so, don't know how I did it. You got a lot of guts, But lady. she was lying. Elizabeth Ashley, my who was the star of right. the show, was lying on the couch writhing in back spasm. And I was saying, um, I don't have a wedding ring. Do you have a wedding <laughs> ring that I could use for the play? <laughs> and and, I, and they got me dressed up in this heavy fur coat. And uh, I heard them say, tonight, Elizabeth Ashley will be replaced by, uh, oh. There's always and, that, yeah. and, they put the, and they pushed me on. And on I went. And I did the first thing. And then I stood there and I thought, I have no idea what the next moment is. None. And I started to go sit down on the little 
platform there was and cry and say, everybody will understand. Nobody will be upset. And then I saw the suitcase, which had the logs in it, which I took out to put in the little stove, burning stove, wood-burning stove. And I never forgot another thing. And Redford and and Mildred Natwick and Kurt Kassner are all coming on terrified, and I'm just calming them all down. Look at the logs. Look at the logs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, but Neil Simon, I didn't really work with because he was on other things but I did get to have two rehearsals with Mike Nichols ah. which was bliss on earth he was a brilliant brilliant director you've performed I think quite a bit of Shakespeare mm-hmm. and for, for an American I, I feel very fortunate yeah. right what was your most challenging role in Shakespeare yeah Juliet oh <laughs> yeah that- and then every other one I play <laughs> I mean I played Juliet and I played Viola Three times in Twelfth Night, I played mm. Olivia once and Viola two or three other times. And then I played Henry the Fourth. I played Lady Percy and Doll Tearsheet. And Have you played a comedic role in Shakespeare? Well, Viola's oh, sure, yeah. sometimes of funny. Yeah. Uh, I did um, Rosalind oh. in um, As You Like yes. It. I've just been... You know, for somebody who didn't, like, give up the professional theater and go into, I got to do a lot. Right. And most of it was Jerry Friedman and Joe Papp in the park. Oh. So that I got to do. That right. was great. Oh, I used to love the public theater. Oh, Joe Papp was, was a genius. Yeah, he was. We missed I was there uh, just toward the end uh, of of him being being there. Yeah. Or anywhere. Um uh, I'm sorry. Hold on just a minute. Oh, um, going back to Applause, which was the musical version of the movie All About Eve that premiered 20 years after the movie. I was going to ask what it's like being in a musical adapted from a movie of 20 years ago. I would think that would be very difficult. I had no time, remember? I was the replacement again. I had three days of rehearsal, and then I opened. I don't know. I was just busy doing my job. (laughs) Just uh, how do I remember? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, You know, as you speak about being a replacement, I've been shocked at the number of plays I've seen on Broadway where you get the announcement, the role of movie star is being played by actress. And I've experienced so many times that the stand-in is better than the actress. You know, now it's sort of drawn from movies and television. Well, I don't know if... I mean, that could certainly be your experience. Sometimes, you know, now today, they bring a lot of stars in to bring in the money, and they're not as experienced, no. or and they're better towards the end when they've been used to doing it. And then the people that are the standbys are the um, people who have stayed in New York and, right. you know, they're haven't trained, gone for... yeah haven't gone for the TV series and are plugging away. Right. I, that may be part of it, or you just may be... A, unlucky. We're, yeah. gonna, we're <laughs> lucky or we're lucky, whichever way you want to look at it. It's a very different... And you've, again, uh, you've won an Emmy and been nominated for many and done movies. And I think a lot of... Uh, that's unusual for women or any actors to star on Broadway and also have so many... Uh, credits in television and film because now if you do television and film it's a very different type of acting and when you go to Broadway I find it doesn't translate very well well I um, 
I was the theoretically the number one person who was supposed to do promises, promises, and I didn't get it. And I got mad, and I said, "Well, you New York, I'm going to Hollywood, and I'm going to do television." And I came out here, and I started doing television. And then, of course, I went back to the theater. I had started. I was. Oh, part you did of, theater and television. You won the Emmy for The Elephant Man. Yes, I did. But that was later. Mm. This was when I first got here, and I, we started two, a one classical company here, Antius, which is still going. And Gordon Davidson, bless him, was uh, had given us space and whatever to do, start a rep company at the taper. So there were oh. two years of that, and I was in the first year of that, where I did Viola, and then I did this play called Chekhov and Yalta. I've uh, heard of that, yeah. Yeah. So what were we talking about? Oh, so I just came out here, and then, then I got married and went to live in Atlanta and be a doctor's wife for a brief moment. It was not my best role. I was better coming on with three days of you should, rehearsal. Maybe you should have been the replacement. On right, that one. yes, exactly. <laughs> and so I came, when I finally left, I left with this little baby and I came back and I went back to LA instead of New York because I couldn't figure out how you put a baby in a little Christidis. Uh, shopping rolling right. cart in the grocery store, and I could f- see how you could go down the Vel- Gelson's right. lines. Boy, so that- that's why I went back to L.A. I wanted to go to New right. York. I always tell people the reason I left New York for L.A. was I am so tired of carrying my groceries back to my apartment on foot. I just want to pull into a parking lot and put them into a car and drive to my home. So that's what you're saying is very real. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Except now you have fresh direct they deliver. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. But um, so then I raised my daughter out here. And then oh. when she was ready to go back to college, I'm, I have a story. Do you want a story yes. or do you want to ask me something? No. Because have, it's, I'm going to bring stories. it around I'm not going to ask anything. I oh, just want to hear everything. Oh, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> but so I, she was a senior at Westlake, oh, Harvard Westlake. Harvard Westlake, yeah. It was Westlake yeah. when we started and Harvard Lech- Never heard to put Harvard in the title. Uh, <laughs> so um, they sent me a script of a play called Three Viewings by Jeffrey Hatcher. Oh. And it was a three monologue play about three people in a funeral home. And they said, "Would I, the, the, the person playing the third monologue was not happy being on stage alone, and uh, I doing the Shakespeare and somewhat some singing, I said, well, you know, send it. And I thought, I can't leave my daughter her for, even for six weeks in her senior year. She'll never have a senior year. There'll be plays. I'm not going to do it. And then I read it, and I said, what time do you want me to be at <laughs> rehearsal? So I went back to New York to do this play, and in nine days, God... I'm, I'm insane. I just realized how insane I am as but I'm in a going good way. over my life. In a good way. A lot of people are insane and, and do horrible things. Oh, if you're insane okay. and it, it's and what I you go on with no rehearsal? I don't don't know. ever take antidepressants. Okay. Very, you're, you're in the right place. All right. Okay. So anyway, I went on. I did it. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then... Now I'm going to skip. So that was 1995. I moved back to New York in 1996. I worked. I did plays. I did the dinner party. Mm-hmm. And then somehow right around, I hate to even say it in the same breath, but around 9-11, I got this sort of insight that I, I don't even know what I meant, but mm-hmm. I, I got this idea singing would be helpful. Hmm. I thought because people can either remember 
as they're listening to a song or take a trip on that song, mm. and everybody's kind of in a bad shape right now, at which time I met Barry Kleinborg. And they hired us. We didn't even know each other. Oh, together. Oh, together to do a to teach at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in the summers for ten days every oh. summer, and they hired us. And so we, they said, and you'll do. We start on Wednesday. And you'll do a cabaret on Friday. And Barry had met me and said you should do cabaret. So, but I didn't know him really. And so we worked Monday, Tuesday, and now it's time we're trying to get the cabaret. I said Barry. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we're supposed to teach. We haven't talked about teaching. And he said, we don't have time. I said, okay. So the first day of teaching, the first student got up and did something, and Barry said, do you have anything to say, Penny? I said, no, you go, Barry. And that's the way we Just started. Went on for several hours. But we never discussed it from that on. We were the perfect fit of the director-writer from the outside right. and I from the actress inside, and then we'd switch places. And Paul Greenwood, the pianist in our play oh. now, was one of our pianists. So we taught for eight years, and on the seventh year, or the eighth year, I guess, I don't know, something, towards the end, Barry said, oh, we did both. That's what it was, the eighth year. Barry said, well, I'm running out of ideas. I said, I am too. I said, wait a minute. I want to read you a monologue from a play I did called Three Viewings. And I read him my monologue. And he said, well, that's nice. I said, do you think it could make a musical? And he said, no. I said, why? He said, because there's no musical hook. And I said, oh. Well, you'll think of one. Right. Boy, that and, sure is. Yeah. And it was in the play, when she gets nervous, she breaks out in a rash. In the musical, Barry put it together that she hums. And that's how you get into the right. singing and why her singing is logical and not illogical. Not to interrupt way. you, but I so related to that. Several years ago, my husband said, are you aware that when you're deeply enraged, you hum happily? And I said, no, that's ridiculous. You're just saying that. And the next time I was really mad, and it's generally at him, uh, <laughs> I was really angry, and I realized... I was humming, Oklahoma. It was like, <laughs> yes, yes. And I thought, that's the strangest thing. I've never heard of that. And when I saw 13 things about Ed Carpolati, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so, I don't know if other people do that, but it was so insightful. I un I understand. Well, and the way you played it was so natural. Oh, thank you. Well, uh I must have been watching you, with, and I didn't know it. <laughs> and I was but, enraged about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took Jeffrey Hatcher, who wrote the play, mm -hmm. to breakfast at, uh, um, what's in my favorite? I've forgotten all my places in New York, and I've only been gone a week and a half. Cafe Luxembourg. Oh. And I said, wow, um, fancy breakfast. Yeah, well, I said, Jeffrey, I would like your permission to take the third monologue, the one I did, and turn it into a musical. Oh. What do you think? He said, a musical? I said, yeah. I said, could we have breakfast next week and I'll bring the person? So we, the three of us, and Jeffrey said, you have my blessing, which oh. Barry took to be, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and Barry uh, readapted it. In, uh, he used this one section where he just took the literal, um, it's the recitative about sins. He took that out of the play, but the rest of it he had to create. And he's changed it. It's not in the funeral parlor. It takes place in my home right. and all of that. 
But that's how it all began. That's amazing. I actually didn't know how it was adapted from the monologues, but and I didn't realize you and the 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 writer of the musical started together. I commissioned it. Yes. Smartest wow. thing I ever did. Don't so you're a producer. In everything I've said about you, I apologize for not saying producer. Well, I didn't know. Well, I don't know. I just said, will you write a musical for me? That's, that's, what that's I how producers yeah. think. Oh, they rarely they say it that way. Oh, yes. I see. And oh, well. they have to put up money, which yeah, uh, you, I didn't you do. Don't know. But, well, I did a little. I, I commissioned them to write it, but wow. I got a, a good deal. I saw it in the past week, and I um, didn't know. I knew roughly, but, but I was so um, that it was so funny and so touching. I mean, I laughed as much as I cried. I mean, I really cried to the point where people are looking at me and moving seats away. Yeah. The woman's clearly having a breakdown. Yes. Really cried. And and then the singing, I've never seen anything like that where it was a one-woman show, musical, dramatic, comedic performance. I honestly can't think of anything. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, it's it's interesting because this is the third production we've done, and sometimes there's not a sound, not a giggle, not a laugh, not a loud smile, nothing. And sometimes it's a laugh riot. And I used to get crazy. And then I realized people are taking the trip, and they have different attitudes about what's going on in there. And they don't really know yeah. what... It's a mystery as yeah. well as other things. And then the twist that you yeah. don't see coming yes. that brilliantly sums up everything. Mm-hmm. And when the twist comes, I looked at my husband and I'd been laughing and crying. And I looked at my husband and just held his hand and put my arm on his shoulder and literally every emotion possible Isn't that uh, came out of me. And now, can you feel when you're acting... When you feel that emotion from an audience, do you adjust what you're doing to the emotions or do the emotions follow, do you think? I have to doing? lead the train. If you lead the train, that's not the right thing. I have to I have to be in control of you. I mean, uh, you the audience. I mean, I and me personally. Uh, and you personally. <laughs> but I I'm I don't know how to explain it exactly, but you have to, you, you, you're you taking this, you're the guide on the trip. Right. And you say, okay, now, I know you want to go that way, but we're going this way now. Trust and, me, down the line, yeah, you'll be happy. Yeah, right. And I, uh, it's hard when they're so quiet because you think, are they, but then I can tell if, if they're not bored, but they're, they're usually a little older when they're more quiet. Right. Uh, because they don't know quite where There's they are. Like it. There's nothing yeah. I've ever seen like yeah. that. Here's a sweet story. The two people that were in the original play with me, was one was Buck Henry. Oh. Remember Buck Henry? Do I remember Buck Henry? I worked at Saturday Night Live oh, after God. him, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, Margaret Whitten, who just died about two months ago. And I, and there's a picture on the piano with all the family pictures of the three of us oh. in the play. I won't do the I won't do the show if oh, I can't. I didn't, I didn't see who well, they were. Up. Well, you oh. will, you couldn't. You know, it's just way in the background. I don't want you to know, but it's that the three of them are sitting. Uh, the three of us are sitting there watching me. Unbelievable! One of my favorite parts. There were many favorite parts, but one of my favorite parts was the song where you're lying to your parents about being seeing a drive-in movie instead of the fact that you were with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. 
and you do multiple impressions of different people. It was very operatic. If La Traviata was performed by one person, it would be that. My husband and I went home singing to the point where my son was just, shut up, um, <laughs> until he started singing it. The Jerry Lewis, Dean oh, Martin lady, part. lady, yeah. I was wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind just giving a quick rendition of the Martin and Lewis version. Well, with what any ha- setup you'd like. Yes, well, I'm... I'm talking to myself about the night that I lied to my parents and went out to the stone road with Ed and uh, made out in the car. And I get home and Tootie, my friend, who I had said I'd gone to the movie with, is there. And my father says, "What? where, where were you? And I said, well, I was at the Liberty Theater looking at seeing Martin and Lewis. And my friend Irma goes west. And he says, prove it. So I start improvising. <laughs> and I'm doing a terrible job. And I'm terrified. And my mother gets none of it. I'm slightly snowing dad a little bit. And my mother's looking with an eye. And then I start getting into it, and I start improvising what the movie was about. And then I imitate, or try to, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and Corinne Calvay and Marie Wilson and Art Lund. (laughs) When Barry brought that song into rehearsal, he said, I looked like I was going to kill him. (laughs) And I mean, I'm only now getting back into it where I can do it and finish it without passing out on the floor. I I can't imagine how you don't have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, it's 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 but it's funny. She but she's acting out all the people so she can fool her parents into thinking she really saw the show. Right. You see. And then when she finishes, she says they bought it. (laughs) And she says, I went there the next day to see the movie, and I was surprised to see how close I got. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what that's about. And just as an example of the Martin and Lewis part that you do the impression of? Okay. I say, um, I think I have to say this because I can't. I don't think I can take it too much out of context. And, and I talk about Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Now, funny, Jerry Lewis is with his scratchy kind of voice. He always goes, lady, lady, <laughs> lady, lady. While Jerry sings the uh, plays the film's buffoon, Dean Martin gets to smoothly croon. Lady, 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 lady. And it goes on. And I imitate all of them. Okay, it was amazing. Amazing. (laughs) And my husband loved it because since my kids were little, for some reason, I would always uh, say, Mrs. Lady, uh, to them. Oh, how funny. So again, another coincidence. The humming and the Mrs. Lady. Oh, my God. So it was... it yeah. was so inspiring to watch you doing all that. Oh, and I'm so glad. It was a magical, magical night. And I wanted to ask you finally what your next project is. Oh, I actually have one to, or two. But things do not come easily anymore because I'm not 25. And all of us... 34. Just getting yeah, back to it. Right, I've right, seen right. your Thank passport. You so much. Um, but, I mean, we have... A lot of trouble because they're not a lot of play, play parts for us, and I don't know why the ladies out there don't want somebody to write about what they're thinking about. And sixty percent of theater audiences are women, right? Well, I am doing something that I've never done before in New York called musicals in Mufti at the York Theater, which is they do you have a script, but they do musicals with a script, and they're doing Berlin from Berlin to Broadway which is Kurt Vile and all that gang. Oh. And I said I would do it if I could play the 
the guide. They wanted me to play the, it's called the guide, but the master of ceremony or something. And I said, well, wouldn't it be interesting if it was Marlena Dietrich? Can I do it like that? And they said, oh, yeah, we like that. And then I'm going to sing a number, I don't know what, in the second half. And then after that, I'm Barry and Paul, or no, no, it won't be Paul this time. It'll be David Gaines. And Barry and I are going to do at least one, if not two shows of cabaret, which is, in a way, the way I get my creative kicks, you know, because Anita, oh, let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? Sure. So Anita Gillette, whom I said was in Cabaret, took over Cabaret, well, she and I, she's a redhead, and in those days, I had dyed my hair red because Robert Redford said, why don't you dye your hair red? So what are you going to do? Not do what Robert Redford right. says? So I dyed my hair red. So and he was in the movie version of, of Barefoot, Barefoot in the Park, Park. so why the not original listen to him? on stage. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. So... So um, so Anita and I didn't, I mean, we knew each other, but people would constantly say, hi, Anita, to me, and say, Penny, I loved you, and applause to, to her, that kind of stuff. So hundreds of years later, like about 10 years ago, um, we were talking, we were at Len Carrier's house for a Christmas party, and we got to talking, really talking to each other, and we, we had a glass of wine, and we were in the hall, and we were backed up against the wall of the hall, and we slid down to the floor with our legs across the hallway and drank the, our glasses of wine and decided to do a cabaret. And so Barry and Anita and I have a show called Sin Twisters, as in twin sisters, yes. because of the fact that, and we, in the show, the cabaret, we talk about how we came to New York about the same time and how she wanted, she was a singer who wanted to be an actress, and I was an actress who sort of fell into singing, right. and then we do, and we do, it's a really, it's a quite enjoyable show. So Anita called me when she saw me do one of my shows, and she said, I'm thinking of doing it, what do you think? I said, well, you won't make any money. This has been wonderful, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank Penny and, of course, The Broad Stage. The Broadcast is hosted and produced by myself, Betsy Borns, and produced and edited by Christian Humes. Music composed by Matt Rapoli. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. We also ask that you take a moment to share it with a friend or write a review. Unless it's a bad review, then just shut down your computer and take a nice nap. And remember, I'm talking to you. So thanks for listening.